Well, uh, welcome back, everybody, into the Card Chronicle podcast. Uh, you know, we planned on having an early week podcast after missing the last couple of weeks because my house is still dripping in COVID. Uh, my family got it, then, uh, then then I got it like a week later. So it was a kind of a disaster here. That's why we had no podcast the last couple of weeks. So I assumed we were going to be talking about this historically bad Louisville basketball team. And Scott Satterfield woke up this Monday morning and was like, no, that's not what's going to happen. We're going to, uh, to send you in a different direction. Because if you haven't heard, and folks, if we're breaking the news to you on a podcast that was recorded uh, Monday morning and you're listening to this whenever, brace yourselves. Scott Satterfield, not getting fired, not getting a contract extension. The man is leaving Louisville to become the next head coach at Cincinnati, the, the team that Louisville will play in the Fenway Bowl in 12 days, he signed a six-year deal, according to multiple reports this morning. I, I mean, Dan, initial reaction here. How, how has your Monday morning been? What, what's your first thought here as we enter this uh, this period post-Satterfield now of Louisville football? Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to process it all morning. Um, I mean, the, the scene in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when Will's dad, like, leaves him um, and... He's like, yeah, man, I got, I, you know, I'm going to run. And Will's like, oh, no, it's fine. You know, I'm going to get a job. But, you know, I'm going to get me a nice honey. And then he's like, how come he don't want me, man? Like, that's <laughs> literally how I feel as a Louisville football fan. Um, I mean, geez, not even really a football fan. As an athletics fan, we've had Charlie Strong bounce. Petrino basically quit on us his second time around. Chris Mack left. Um, and I'm just, I'm like, is it us? Like, you know, and I, I'm not like crying super big tears over Satterfield leaving or anything, but I just can't believe that we're back here again. Yeah, I'm, I mean, here's my overall take. Like, I don't think this is a terrible day. Am I wrong? I, yeah, like, I agree. I, I, don't I think, think so. we're all sort of, we're so preconditioned now to like the bad news. Like we, we kind of do this woe is me thing all the time. And understandably so. I don't know if you saw the net rankings that just came out. Louisville, <laughs> Louisville basketball is 361st out of 363 Yeah, I mean, we can dedicate in, a in whole the... podcast to that at some point. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, bad shit's been happening to this program pretty consistently for the last six, seven years. But this morning, you know, it, it was surprising. And I think everyone's initial reaction is like, here we go again. But I don't think this is the worst thing in the world. You know, people keep tweeting me, you know, the joke about, well, Scott made it weird. You know, Scott made it awkward. I think in his final act, Scott actually did not make it weird at all. Like, like he's he didn't win enough here. He's leaving here with a twenty-five and twenty-four overall record. He went fifteen and eighteen in the ACC when the ACC was not exactly you know world beaters. He leaves it. I think at a point where even if you were pro Satterfield, even if you were supporting him, you're not as upset about this as you were when Charlie Strong left after you know back to back. 12 win seasons uh you weren't as, as upset as you were when Bobby Petrino left for the the Falcons after winning the Orange Bowl like he didn't win enough for anybody to be overly upset about this and and he did it in a fashion you know the deal apparently came about late Sunday night um an assistant coach messaged me this morning and said he found out on Twitter um this was like an hour ago that he sent this he said I found out an hour ago uh, my family hates this you know we wanted to stay here forever there's a uh, assistant's wife who goes to my mom's school, and my mom told me she came in, had the same kind of story. 
they found out this morning uh, out of nowhere, and now they're kind of scrambling to see what happens next. Like so, he's le- and he's leaving for Cincinnati, a program that we do not care for, that we play in a bowl game in 12 days. So he's leaving in, in a manner that is not going to even the people who are sad that he's leaving are going to be upset about this. Like he's going to be universally disliked by fans of this program. So in his final act for this fan base that has been so divided about so many different things for so long, Satterfield was a unifier. Like, like he brought the fan base together in a way that I don't think we've been brought together in a long time. And that uh, our cause here is fuck Scott Satterfield. All my homies hate Scott Satterfield. <laughs> like get him out of here. Like, like I, I think this is okay. And now I think if you're able to keep this recruiting class together, which there's been some buzz for the last couple of months that the the higher-ups at UofL felt very confident about keeping the core of this class together regardless of who the coach was going to be next season. If you can bring in an exciting coach, whether it's, you know, I mean, the Jeff Brom stuff's already out there. It's going to continue to be out there. Whether it's him or somebody else that the fan base can really get behind, this could wind up being a net positive for UofL Athletics because, I mean, even with the team winning seven games, even the turnaround, the attendance numbers this year were abysmal. I think the fan interest, whether it was you know, showing up for games or just online or TV numbers or whatever, was low. People were not behind Scott Satterfield during this era. It just, it, I think he had some goodwill at the very beginning. He lost it pretty quickly with a down season in 2020 and then the, the South Carolina flirtation afterward. And people, a lot of people, never really got back on that train. And like, like this is an opportunity, I think, for people to really get excited about Cardinal football again. If you keep this class together... If you get some key transfers, if you get some guys to come back uh, that were big-time players on this past year's team, and you nail the hire, that's a lot of ifs right there. But if all that happens, this could wind up being a really exciting offseason. I don't think this is a terrible day for Cardinal Athletics. I don't. No, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. I guess from like a personal standpoint, I'm almost like more upset with myself that I had almost – I guess I had – kind of bought back in after the winning streak because like i don't know how you felt like everything in my body was like god this guy it, it's just not working obviously the boston college game happened and everything in my body told me to be like hey you know there should be more heat on this guy he's just not the guy it's not gonna work and then the winning streak happened and then we got back to the same you know roller coaster scott story like oh i you know i guess we're kind of back in um but again he, he did, you know, I, I think there was some possible talks there about extending him, which, like, would we have really been excited about that extension? Like, I really don't think the fan base would have. The only thing he really had going for him at this point was the recruiting class. And like you said, you know, uh, according to the higher-ups, there, there's still a, a good, you know, I don't want to say a good chance, but there's talks that we can keep that in place. But... I guess I'm just I'm a little more mad at myself for falling for the Scott bullshit a little bit. Um, and you're right. I mean, jump into your rival basically in the uh, on a Monday morning without notifying the players, without notifying the coaches. I mean, it's a fucking bush league move, um, and it's one that you know his legacy here is already written. I bet uh, you know basically. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a there's a a part of me that is very much like we are going to be in, in a better spot. Um, but I am, I mean, the way coaching searches have gone for us recently, I mean, there's got to be a little bit of hesitation. Like, hey, you know, we got to do sure. this one right. I think 
you, you bring up the contract extension issue, and you know, the story that's out there is an understandable one. The story that's out there is, you know, Satterfield's agent, Jimmy Sexton, who we, we found out that Sexton was his agent during the South Carolina thing because he made a, a pretty standard in coaching circles play for more money. The issue was it happened, one, after a season where Louisville was a dramatic underachiever, uh, only winning three games after they were picked to finish fourth in the ACC. And two, it happened at a time when the pandemic was at an all-time high and U L was cutting costs across the board. People were getting fired. And to make a shameless money grab in that situation, I think, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But Sexton, the, uh, to my understanding, you know, came to Josh Hurd, wanted the contract extension, which we all knew that this was going to be, we all knew the situation was probably going to be you extend Sat or you fire Sat. Like, he's got two years left on his deal. He's not going to coach next season without getting some reassurance that he's going to be here for a long time and getting some more money. And my understanding is Josh did not want to meet Sexton's demands, did not want to extend him, did not want to give him the money that he was being asked. And so this happened very quickly. Cincinnati reached out. Uh, the deal got done late Sunday night. Nobody knew about it. I had no idea until this morning. And he notified his players via Zoom. He, I think, called his coaches or texted his coaches, found, tried to get to them as quickly as possible. But a lot of them found out before he was able to, to contact them. And here we are. And it's, again, like, I don't, if, you're, if we had extended Scott Satterfield, I think the collective reaction from most of the Louisville fan base would have been like a golf clap, you know, yeah. been like, okay, you know, whatever. I guess he did it. He, he, we said the bare minimum of the season was seven wins and my God, he did the bare minimum, but nobody's <laughs> going to be just jumping through hoops and, and you know, over the moon about this guy coming back. And now I think you have the opportunity to, to really get behind somebody who you feel like can deliver you a special season with this recruiting class, because that was always the thing for me was, yeah, like, like, he had a good season in year one. Nobody thought he was going to win eight games. He won eight games. That was awesome. Underachieved the next two years. And then this year with a good roster, not a great roster, but a good roster, he went seven and five again. Is this guy the type of head coach that when we get elite talent in here for the first time, you know, the Ruben Owens, the DeAndre Moores of the world, the Pierce Clarksons of the world, the Madden Sankers of the world, can he turn that into a special season? Because if not, then what are we doing? Like, why are you get recruits for, with the hope of them bringing you you know, 10, 11, maybe 12, one season. And now, especially with the playoff expanding in just two seasons, you know, the goal for Louisville should every now and then to be in the contention for the playoff. You know, you know, we've been a top 12 team multiple times over the last two decades. We should at least have a shot at, you know, be flirting with that, with being a top 12 team in the sport in the years to come, especially if we're bringing in top 20, top 15 recruiting classes now. And so my whole thing was, what's your confidence level that this coaching staff, based on what we've seen so far, can take all that talent and mold it into something great. And mine, if you're being honest, because like, like my producer asked me straight up last week, like you're saying you, know, you you wouldn't fire him now. Do you have confidence in him delivering that special season? And my response was, you know, we're all guessing here. Nobody knows for sure, but my guess is no. And I still thought that. I never thought that he was going to be the guy that that took us back to you know where I think we all want Louisville football to be. And now we can have somebody who hopefully is that guy, whether it's it's Jeff Brom, who my understanding is Steve Clarkson, maybe not the biggest fan of, but I think he can learn. I think he can learn to love Jeff if that winds up being his guy because he shouldn't be the biggest fan of Scott Satterfield right now. Um, we'll see what happens on that front. But now I think we can, you can have some more hope for the years to come, assuming that whoever is the hire is able to retain most of the studs in this class. 
I, I get that. Let me ask you this from like a legacy standpoint, because I, I mean, it's fresh right now. You know, everyone's on kind of the, you know, fuck this guy train. You know, he just left us. Do you give Sat any credit for kind of rebuilding us from the mess that Petrino left? Because, I mean, it was bad. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. Sure. And, um, I mean, was it, you know, did we achieve greatness? No. But um, do you give him, like, any credit for, like, hey, you know, at least he brought our program back? Oh, sure. I, I mean, I, I think the Satterfield situation is weird because it's totally unique for us as global football fans. Because for, like, the bulk of most of our existence, like, and I don't know how old everybody is that's listening to this podcast, but... You know, for people like you and I who are now mid to late 30s, like, there's never been any sort of question about how good the U of a football coach was. Like, the guy was either God and he left us for greener pastures, or he was the worst thing in the world. Like, we had, you know, Ron Cooper and Steve Craigthorpe, who there was no question about. Everybody knew that they weren't going to get the job done. Everyone thought they should have been fired, and they <coughs> got fired. Then you had, you know, Petrino, you had Strong, you had Schnelly back in the day, you had, you know, I guess Petrino 2.0 was a little bit different, but all those guys, you wanted to keep them for as long as you could because they were killing it here, and then they left you for, I guess John L. is the other one I'm thinking of, they left you for Oklahoma, Michigan State, Texas, and the NFL, and you kind of, you know, you were pissed off about it, but you also understood it was a step up for all of them, and so now we have this guy who is just kind of right there in the middle, and we don't really know how to react, and that's why the last four years, I mean, I've made, I've turned it into a running joke, but have been super awkward for the fan base because he's not giving you any clear indication that he sucks, but he's not giving you any clear indication that he can be an elite level coach. And we've never been in that situation before. Like, you know, he goes seven and five the first year and he inherited, I mean, his best players were Petrino guys. He had some NFL talent on that team with Tutu Atwell and, and Mackay Becton. And, and there was certainly some talent on the defense that, that played much, much better than they had the year before. And then, the two years after dramatically underachieves. He's not getting it done on the recruiting trail. He's not churning out NFL players. Louisville hasn't had a player drafted the last two years. And then this season, you've got this recruiting class waiting in the wings, which is the best that we've ever had. And that changes the entire dynamic of the season. And we, again, you know, we, we had a good, not great season. Once seven and five in a year where our over under win total was six and a half. And people are all kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do with this guy. So in a weird way, like Cincinnati kind of takes all of that awkwardness away from us. And the, the other thing that I'll say, and I'll, I'll throw it back to you, I know I'm kind of rambling answering your question. This is the first time that I think Louisville fans and Cincinnati fans have been on the same page because their reaction to getting Scott yeah. Satterfield is not exactly enthusiastic either. No, 100%. Um, I know. I, I, I'm, you weren't rambling. That was a good answer. Let, let me ask you one more question. Would you put Cincinnati's football job ahead of ours at the moment as far as prestige? I mean, they're moving in the Big 12. They just came off a playoff. So, I mean, I don't know. It's it's tough. Like, as much as I want to be like, no, 100%, like, Louisville's the better job. Like, everything from, like, a common sense standpoint, like, thinks so. But um, I don't know at, at this point. I mean, we've, we've been through a lot the last, like, four or five years, and I mean, since he's always been, quote-unquote, a stepping stone job as well, kind of like us, but th they are moving into the Big 12. Um, I don't know. Where do you see, like, the programs as far as, like, hey, 
is is this like a good move for Scott? I, I just think I don't know. He just never meshed well here from the beginning. Like there was just always something weird about it. It was like we we settled. He was our second choice, obviously. Uh, maybe not even second. He might have been third. Um, we have no idea for being a head coach. Um, and I don't know. The relationship was just always, like you said, awkward for four years. Um, I just don't know where we stand, like in comparison to a school like Cincinnati, as far as stature. No, it, it was always awkward. I mean, it, it felt, and I, I feel like I've said this a million times on the the radio show this year. It's never really felt like he wanted to be here. Right. Like he, he never. It, it never really felt like he cared about Louisville. Like he fell in love with the place. And there have been so many coaches that have done exactly that. I mean, like John o. Smith still lives here. Yeah. You know, he he left us to for Michigan State. He's a guy who's grew up out west, started his coaching career out west, comes to Louisville leaves us for Michigan State, fails at Michigan State, and it, you know now with his coaching career done, at the end of his life, he could live anywhere he wants. He's He he loves it here. He lives in Louisville. Howard Stellenberger came on our radio show back the, the first Ramsey and Rutherford iteration and said the biggest mistake of his life was leaving Louisville um, when he was mad that we were joining Conference USA and, and going to Oklahoma. Um, I think, you know, like you've seen Denny Crum. He comes out here after spending his – entire life on the west coast never leaves he's a lifer like this place gets in people's blood and they never want to leave and scott satterfield you never felt like that was the case for him you never felt like he he cared about getting louisville football back to where it was supposed to be or he killed cared about you know meshing with the fan base or meshing with the culture here he just it felt like a very much a you know putting a circle into a square peg and and it just never really fit um there were murmurings uh, like right from the beginning of the season and it, you know it's one of those things you hear stuff and it's not worth passing along because you never know how it's going to play out but right after the Syracuse game there were people telling me that like hey I'm hearing no matter what happens this season Satterfield's leaving like like Satterfield's done like whether it's him getting fired because the team is so bad or him you know just going somewhere else taking a lesser job taking a bigger job he wants out the the, you know, the university is fine with him leaving like this isn't going to work and that chatter continued for most of the even when the team was winning. And, and I always kind of looked at the season through that lens of, you know, he's he, he's he's excited that the team's playing well, but does he really care that it's, you know, building for the future? I don't, I don't know how involved he was with a lot of the recruiting stuff that was going on. Um, it just it, it, it never felt like a, a solid marriage. As far as Cincinnati is concerned, it's a weird move for him in my eyes because – Cincinnati culture-wise is not that different from Louisville. Right. I mean, we are, you know, they're 100 miles north. Um, it's practically in Kentucky. Like, Cincinnati is basically northern Kentucky. And the fan base, I think, is there are similarities there. Um, the culture's a little bit different, but there are enough similarities that, like, it doesn't make sense to me if that was his big issue with Louisville, why he would go to a place like Cincinnati. As far as their football program and how it compares to ours, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, it's, they're probably close to, to being on a level playing field with us now that they're making the move to the Big 12. I mean, they've had more success on the field than we have in recent years. There's no question about it. Uh, they made the playoff last season. They're they're good this year. They spent most of the season in the national rankings. They're 9-3. and three. Uh, We'll see how their season finishes out when they play us in 12 days. But they're kind of in the spot that we were like 10 years ago when we were getting ready to make the jump to the ACC. You know, having success in a lesser conference, they've kind of dominated the AAC, hoping that that success can translate into, you know, being one of the better teams in your new big-time conference. 
for us, it hasn't really happened. I think we've taken a step down. For them, you know, I think they expect to be – I mean, they've also had a lot of really good head coaches that have gone elsewhere, and unlike our guys, have killed it where they've gone somewhere. Um, you know, Brian Kelly, literally. Uh, sorry, it's a bad joke. <laughs> Oh my but god! They, I mean, they don't. I don't. The big difference between them and us, I think, is still like Louisville sports are the big show in town, right? Cincinnati is a pro sports city. Um, the Bearcats are always going to be playing second fiddle. Louisville, the Cardinals are, are yeah. the show, and I mean their stadium Nippert it holds about forty thousand people. It's it's smaller than Cardinal Stadium. They don't have the budget that we do. I think they they're hoping that changes with the move to the Big Twelve. So I would still put them slightly below us if you're ranking like program superiority, but it's much closer than I thought it was going to be when we left them behind for the ACC, you know, eight years ago. Imagine going from Luke Fickle to Scott Satterfield. Holy I know. shit, they are. Gonna I know be in for a rude fucking awakening. And they don't like like they're. I'm just reading the mentions. Like Cincinnati fans are not excited about the hire. Like like, and I like, I don't understand. As surprised as I was to see Satterfield leaving for you know you know what is kind of a parallel move to Cincinnati, I was even more shocked that Cincinnati was going after him. Yeah, like, you know they've nailed their coaching, and maybe he will just kill it there. Who the hell knows? But they have nailed their coaching hires for the better part of the last two decades, and like I thought that they could have attracted a better candidate. Like I'm not sure what Satterfield has shown you in his four seasons at Louisville that have said like, you know, he's the guy to take us into the big 12, but I'm not complaining. All I know is there's no, I don't don't know how everybody else feels like there's no conflict in my mind. Like I'm rooting against this guy with every ounce of my being moving. I I will hate watch Cincinnati games next season. Absolutely. Hoping that they just get buried by every team that they play. Um, It's it's been fuck Cincinnati my whole life. It's even more so now. No, a hundred percent. Um, God, yeah. I mean, it just, I don't know. It came out of nowhere. Like, Josh Hurd has got to be like, I, I don't know if Josh Hurd had, like, maybe an inkling that, like, hey, there's a possibility this could happen Happen with, you know, Sat's history of talking to South Carolina. Like you said, apparently there was rumblings after the Syracuse game. Um, so, hopefully, you know, he is armed and equipped with, you know, the necessary needs to go after whatever coach that he feels necessary to lead the program. Um, but man, it, it really did feel like, fuck, this came out of nowhere. So I, I guess the next question, I mean, I don't know if you want to jump this quick, but where, I mean, where do we go from here? I mean, I, we all know the, the main name that's going to be talked about, but I think if there was any lesson for Louisville fans, um, that, you know, we probably shouldn't just zero in on one guy We're we're obviously, uh, we, we just went through this with basketball. So from my standpoint, you know, obviously, I mean, we love the Brahms. Um, would, would I want him as a coach? Yeah, personally, I would. I, I think a lot of the fan base would agree with me, but there are certain, you know, there there's some Brahm detractors out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope we do an extensive search. I, I couldn't even tell you some of the other names that would po- be a possibility, but obviously that's going to be the, the main guy out there. I think if this happens a week ago, you have, and I've already gotten the text about this a couple of times. If this happens a week ago, you have a very good chance of landing Deion Sanders, which yeah. would be a very splashy hire. He's getting a lot of attention already at Colorado with what he's doing there. Um, you know, four years ago, the issue with Jeff Brom was 
was timing. You know, he just brought in that recruiting class. He'd just gotten started at Purdue. He didn't feel like he could leave those players behind after, you know, selling them on this big vision that he had for, for making Purdue relevant in the Big Ten, which he certainly has done in his, his five seasons there. Now, if you're talking about Jeff, the timing is perfect because I think, I mean, I said on the podcast, I didn't try to hide it. I said on the radio show too. Like he was in open talks. Like he wanted the job this time last year. Like, like he, the way it worked, and it, you know, you can believe me or not, I'm telling you this was a 100% fact. During like the week where which ended with Neely Bendapudi leaving for Penn State and Vince Tyree resigning, like Jeff's agent had talked to Vince that entire week about potentially Satterfield being let go and Jeff coming in and taking the job. And that Thursday night was supposed to be like the talk, like where I'm laying it on the table. Like Jeff has openly said, like he'll give up part of his salary to help pay Satterfield's buyout. Like we can make the financials work. I just, the timing's right. I want to come back to Louisville. And so they're supposed to have this big talk Thursday night. Vince Tyree tells Jeff's agent that something has come up. His wife has a work dinner. He's not going to be able to have the talk. We'll talk Friday morning. And Friday morning comes, and Vince just just ghosts Jeff's agent, basically. And and that's when we find out later that day that Vince is supposedly going to leave for Florida State. Um, That ends up not happening. The whole madness happens, but but Vince winds up walking away from UofL and not being the AD. And then Josh Hurd is thrown into that weird situation. We end up keeping Satterfield, and that's how that played out. If you're talking about timing now, with Jeff, if that's who you want, the timing is perfect because I, I think that he definitely feels like he's kind of accomplished all he can accomplish at Purdue. He took over a program that had been five and twenty-three in the three years before it. Took him to the Big Ten championship game this year. Has had they've had back-to-back eight-win seasons for the first time since the mid-nineties when Joe Tiller was there. Like I, I think it's kind of run its course. Uh, I think he, if he doesn't jump for U of L, or if U of L doesn't offer him, I think he'll probably jump for a different program. And that's the only thing that if you're Louisville you know, and you think that Jeff's a done deal, I think the only issue is other programs coming for him because my understanding is that other programs are going to come for him uh, in the weeks ahead. As far as other candidates are concerned, I, I, I don't know. I, I, this is all so new. I mean, I literally found out this morning. I took my daughter to school. I wrote some stuff on the website, and now I'm recording this here. So I have not put out any feelers. Um, but I don't think it's going to be – I mean – it feels a lot like the basketball coaching search where there's one clear guy that people are going to talk about that I do think will probably take the job if the situation calls for it. But I don't think that Josh is just going to go straight to Jeff Brom. Like I think he'll kick the tires on a number of worthy candidates. I think he'll do his, his due diligence. Now he's got less time to operate probably right. than he did with the basketball hire, but <laughs> there will be other names that are out there. There'll be other names that are interviewed. I can't tell you who those people are right now. Um, it's we've already had a national push for Brian Brown to get a look, which I know there would be mixed feelings about here locally. <laughs> um, I mean, how, how strange, how far things have, have come in the last six, seven weeks. But I don't know. I mean, is, is there anybody else that you're thinking of that would? I, I, I saw the name. Um, oh God, Riley's whatever Lincoln Riley's brother thrown out there, like offensive coordinator um that's had some success I, like you I'm, I'm i'm the same way like i'm not as well versed in like assistant coaches or up-and-coming coaches for college football as i am basketball so i really don't have any names um but i'm with you but it is awkward because like where's the basketball search like we had plenty of time to make this hire um even though it seemed like we, we you know we just zeroed in on one guy we got to make this football 
coaching search, you know, relatively quickly with everything yeah. that's going on on the horizon. So that's going to make, you know, from a timing standpoint, um, you know, we're going to have to escalate things. But yeah, I mean, if you gave me a percentage, <laughs> I would say like I'm 75% confident that we will get Brom. Um, but it, it's so early, it's so new that I, I really don't have any idea. Like he's supposed to have a press conference this morning. Um, regarding the Citrus Bowl, so that should be fun and awkward to listen to. Uh, we do have real, real quickly since you mentioned it. Uh, Jeff has just now been asked about the Louisville job during the his press conference, and this is his exact quote: "To be quite honest, I know no more than you guys do. I was in meetings this morning. I found out about it on Twitter. Other than that, I've got no information. Not exactly a denial. Love, uh, great there, answer. Jeff. Great answer." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Very similar to the answer he gave at the was the um, the, the Kiwanis Club this uh, this summer, where in Louisville, where he got asked about it, and he's like, you know, never say never. Uh, you know, it's like basically saying like, yeah, I'd love to have the job at some point down the line. Um, so, so not exactly, I, I think, going to going to squash the speculation at all there with that answer. Yeah, I, and I mean, I'm just being realistic here from from Jeff's point of view. Do you think there's any part of them that's kind of looking like at, at our athletic program and being like, geez, like, you know, I do kind of got things rolling here at Purdue. There's other programs that are after me. Like, yes, you know, I am somewhat of a, a folk hero in Louisville and, uh, you know, my family's from here and I love Louisville. But, I mean, there's no denying. I mean, besides like volleyball and, and baseball, I mean, I know those sports, but it seems like we're a little bit of a mess right now. So, I just wonder if there's any hesitancy there. No, I don't think he cares. I mean, I think he – like, Purdue was an absolute dumpster fire when he walked in there. And I think – like, Jeff has so much confidence in himself. I think he feels like, one, he's he's a native son. It's different than if some other program in a similar situation would come calling. Two, I think he has belief in himself that he can clean this up pretty quickly and get it going. The other thing that I think Jeff would would do that the fan base would like, even those who are apprehensive about hiring him – Whenever you have a divorce like this and there are bad feelings on the side of the, of the, the people who got left or, the, you know, if you fired a coach and you know, you, you're pissed off about that, you want somebody, you want the next guy to be somebody who has character that is different than the guy that you just left with. And Jeff is – the first time he gives some, like, fiery-ass speech, like, people are going to know. People are going to go absolutely insane because we've been dying for Satterfield to give us some of that. The first time we see Jeff Brom addressing this team and he's doing his whole, you know, like, yeah, it's street fight between the whistles. Street fight between the whistles. Like, if people are going to, like, just replay that 95 times and go crazy because we never got that from Scott Satterfield. Like, he is, he is the anti-Scott Satterfield from a personality standpoint. And I think whether it's Jeff or somebody else um, – People are going to want that. People are going to want a more fiery, like going crazy on the sidelines type coach. You know, inspirational speeches, screaming, like all that stuff. Like, I, I think if it is him or if it's somebody like that, people are going to go nuts because they're so put off by even killed Satterfield for the last four years. And also, like, I want somebody who's going to come in. Remember the whole um, when Jim Trestle got hired at Ohio State and they just fired John Cooper because he could never beat Michigan? And Trestle addresses the crowd at the basketball game and he's like, you know, it's 363 days until we play those guys and like we're going to kick their ass or whatever. And like the place goes nuts. Like Satterfield got dominated so thoroughly yeah. by UK, which none of us are, are used to. 
the next hire needs to play that up too. Like, like you know, the days of us losing to that school down the east, like those are fucking over. Doesn't have to use the f bomb, but I would appreciate it. Um, like, like we need somebody who also is going to fully embrace the rivalry because that was that was the biggest thing that I think killed Scott Satterfield here is not only did he lose to UK, one he got dominated, two he kind of was whiny about it, you know, complained about the yells down, didn't seem to get the rivalry at all. Like, it kind of felt like he was faking it the last couple of years, too, after that first game. Like, we need somebody who knows just how much people hate UK and how sickened we are that they have become the better football program in the state and who's going to start kicking their ass again. Like, like, you need to embrace that side of this job. No, when you're comparing personalities, I mean, Jeff is such a fucking alpha male over Scott Satterfield. Like, Scott is the guy that you just push out of the way and walk over from a personality standpoint. Um, And I think if we did land Jeff, we would be getting, like you said, the complete opposite of that. Um, Yeah, I I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. I I wonder from a money standpoint what that would look like because I'm sure, um, you know, I wonder if he would take any sort of hometown discount. Um, you know, cause God knows, I, I mean, we have no idea what's going to happen with the basketball program here in the next year or two. Um, cause we, there's a shot we could be shelling out some money there. So, um, Kenny Payne right now is like, yeah, just keep, just keep talking yeah. about the football hire. Kenny, Kenny, he's like, man, you guys heard about that football program? What a disaster. Like just, just, just keep the focus over there. Oh my God. What a time to be alive right now. I mean, geez. Um, yeah, I mean, ex- I mean, and all this and like, th- we got the Fenway Bowl coming up December 17th. Like, if there's like, 12 days away. I mean, if there's like a absolute, like, just hard on motivation for any player, it's like, well, let's go fucking kick the ass of, yeah, and I know Saturday's yeah. probably not going to be there and, you know. What if, I kind of want but, him to. Like, what, what, what if he says all week that he's not coaching the game, and then like he like slow walks out <laughs> of the tunnel at Fenway Park, in like all black, just like like rips his shirt off or something? We're talking about how he doesn't. He's not a fiery coach, and just like middle fingers up to the. He's like throwing L's down on the sidelines. Oh God! There's like so many like references from the movie The Town I want to make leading up to this game. Like <laughs> I, you have no idea. Like I'm gonna thoroughly watch that movie to look for something to tweet out, but. Um, yeah, now, like, I mean, I was interested in the game from like, you know, Hey, it's a rivalry at Cincinnati, it's keg and nails, but I mean, there's no denying it kind of lost its luster when Luke fickle left, you know, I, I don't think Gino Gadulli, their offensive coordinator is being retained. It sound like, unless I'm wrong about that. Um, you know, we, we, ha- we got guys transferring out. So it's like, ah, you know, 11 AM Boston bowl game. Like, obviously it's not going to hit as hard as like the old keg and nails games. Now I'm like totally jacked and I'm juiced for the players. I'm like, God, I hope they fucking go out there and absolutely whip their ass. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. Um, that, that'll be something to look forward to. It'll be interesting to see if, if we have named our head coach by then. I mean, this is, this is making a strong push for weirdest bowl game of all time because <laughs> you've already got – I mean, first of all, it's like the second day of bowls in the in the calendar year. These are two programs that I think would be expecting to play after Christmas, not December 17th. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff, a pre-noon kickoff. These are two old rivals. We've played Cincinnati, I think, more than every football program besides like three who are both in the Ohio Valley. We're 100 miles apart. We're playing in Massachusetts for the first time in a decade in mid-December at a baseball stadium 
with one of our head coaches with I, going I to the tweet, other. And I apologize. I, I can't remember who tweeted this this morning. The Fenway Bulls history. 2020 canceled because of COVID. 2021 canceled because of COVID. 2022 <laughs> head coach from one team going to coach for the other team. Like, <laughs> like, oh my God, Fenway, what the hell is going on? I mean, we, we need, I don't know, I mean, like Big Poppy, like doing the coin toss or something. Like, yeah. we, we need to have some sort of, like, I don't know, like, there. I feel like it's going to get even weirder the 12 days ahead. The bowl game is going to be like a, a, a side piece in this whole conversation, but it's going to be hilarious. Like the teams are going to get into it, the, the events. Like this has the it, – it's already weird. It has the potential to just go completely off the rails, and I love it. Like I like like you said, I think in recent years, the second, third-tier bowl games have become kind of meaningless. Like, like they just – you know, nobody gets excited for bowl games the way that we used to 15, 20 years ago. Hell, even like 10 years ago, unless it's a – a playoff game or one of the new year six games but this one just got a little spicy like you don't even know like uh, at this point the transfer portal is open today which is awful timing for us to lose our head coach but like we don't even know what players are going to be playing in this game who's just going to sit out who's going to be transferring uh, Cincinnati I'm sure is the same way but it's going to be fucking hilarious like like I'm, I'm a, I want to I want or I really want to win the game now whereas like you know kind of didn't care that much before uh, I don't know if they're gonna put the keg of nails up for grabs but uh, who knows? We'll talk much more about that. Do you have any parting thoughts? I know we got to go quick here. Um, we didn't want to make this too yeah. long, and we will have a, another podcast soon. Here, we'll we'll talk about basketball because we have to. Um, also, women's basketball. We'll talk about that too because that's a, a weird situation developing. Uh, maybe we'll spend some time on volleyball because yeah, no. that's actually fun to talk about. But as far as this is concerned, football. Any parting thoughts here you want to get out before we leave? I mean, I guess Scott wasn't a nice guy after all. Um, like everything I said for the last three, I was like, well, he is a nice guy. Turns out he's not a nice guy, believe it or not. Um, so, yeah, that happened. I don't know. Like, yeah, I- I'm in agreement with you. I think in the long run, this is going to be better for our football program. Um, you know, things until we we're kind of stable from a head coaching position these next couple days. You know, there there might be guys leaving. We might hear guys decommitting. So I, I hope the fans don't panic and we stay the course. Um, you know, I, the Kenny Payne hire has not worked out for Josh Hurd so far. Um, I'm really hoping that, that he nails this one. Um, so, you know, I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Uh, I just, uh, I, I'm anxious to see who the ne- next head coach is going to be. Let's not let any football players from the '80s dictate the yeah, coaching exactly. search here. Let's, let's just let's go ahead and just just hire like, Lee Corso is clamoring for <laughs> like it's like nope nope nah, that, that, we're okay here. We're not doing that. Yeah, my parting thought: I think it's a good day for Louisville Athletics. Um, I don't think Satterfield wanted to be here. He, I don't think he was a guy who was going to be able to take this influx of talent and turn it into you know, a playoff caliber team down the line. I think we now can go get a coach who can do that. And also, Satterfield, it sounds like Sour Graves now that he's leaving, he's got my least favorite personality trait, which is I hate fake nice. If you're going to be an asshole, have the stones to, to be an asshole. Have the stones to put it out there and be who you are. Don't do this fake, well, shucks, like I don't cuss thing but be a snake behind people's backs, which he was. We found that out during the South Carolina thing. It's why you lost Dwayne Ledford and some other coaches, because you weren't honest with them about what was transpiring. You weren't honest this go-round. And good riddance. Like, I, I'm totally fine with this. 
bring in somebody who's going to let this program get in his blood or who already has it in his blood and who really, really cares about making Louisville football what we all think it, it, it could be and what we all thought it was going to be when we made the move to the ACC in 2014. Keep this recruiting class together. Go kill it in the transfer portal. Bring back the, some of the key players from this year's team. And let's have a fucking season next year. Like, let's get this thing really rolling. Let's let's get back to winning eight, nine games and having it not be an incredible season. Let's save the incredible seasons for 10-2, and 11-1. And hopefully a few years down the line when this playoff expands, we can be knocking on the door at being one of the 12 best teams in college football. Let's go. Like, uh, I... I the more I think about it, the more excited I am. I'm, I'm fine with this. Fuck Cincinnati. Fuck Satterfield. Let's go, Louisville football. Yeah. Let's, let's make this happen. 100%. Yeah. And, I mean, we might be hurting one of our bigger rivals in the you know, in the next breath. Hey, have fun with those third and 13 quarterback draws, Cincy. Have fun with that. God. I'm not going to miss yeah, it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to miss it at all. All right, again, we will have another podcast this week. We'll talk about basketball because we have to. Um, we'll, we'll make that happen. But anyways, uh, thanks for hanging in there with us. Let's have a good day. Let's let's keep our, our head. It's going to be an exciting couple of weeks ahead. We'll have plenty to talk about, and you'll keep it locked right here on the Card Chronicle podcast. Subscribe to the pod to find out when new episodes are out there. Leave us a review. Give us a nice rating. Promise we'll be back soon. Go Cards. All right, Josh, let's go. Go Cards, baby. <laughs>